0: Last May, Char and I traveled with Michael and Denise to Malawi to work in the AIDS orphanage that they had started, and then to do some pastoral training. And over the recent months, um, we've been working as a church toward making some investment with that group, and this week we'll send off $3,000 as a first start of that Five hundred of that will go for micro loans. Fifteen hundred of that will go to help sustain their grain mill and their a well pump, which uh, take care of the community around them, as well as themselves. And then a thousand of that will go to assisting pastors. And what's been taking place is that a man named Matthews over there, working with Michael, has interviewed thirty-eight pastors and has been seeking out the poorest of the poor, and we will uh, assist each of them in in a, some way. But uh, one of the things that, that caught my attention there was that I was dealing with truly poor people, and there's a difference. And I, I think I need to just draw you to some of the things. Over there, um, there are currencies, the quacha as of a couple days ago, its currency rate was 720 quacha to one of our dollars. Okay? So that means that you can buy a lot with a dollar over there. But what Matthews came up with is that the income of these pastors, this first group that we were working with, um, roughly equals out to Anywhere from a buck fifty to five dollars a month income, and you're going, how's that possible? Well, um, all of the extras are pulled aside, right? It's a subsistence living. It's scrounging. It's gardening. It's doing whatever needs to be done to get a few dollars or to to grow a few plants to, to live. And when you start subtracting utilities and housing in the way that we know it, get rid of vehicles, get rid of shoes, get rid of insurance, get rid of any kind of retirement plans, It, it, it that's the kind of life that we're looking at. And so my feeling is, is that when we invest in something like that, it's a very good thing. But also it has to be done with caution because, you know, throwing... Throwing even a few hundred dollars into a person's life over there can drastically affect what they're doing, but it isn't necessarily going to move them in a positive direction unless it's done carefully. And even one of the experiences I had there was that people that would come by the village at times would be going, give me money, give me money. And what had happened is a well-intentioned person had handed out some cash to someone when they were there and it, the word got around, and it was like, okay, these people can be tapped, and you can get money, but it isn't necessarily going in a positive direction. And, and so with caution, this is what we're attempting to move forward with and just say, and even with the people going saying, handle this well, we're going to put some more into your hands when we see that this is being used in a, in a healthy fashion. So that said, I went back and I was tracking, you know, I'd heard the statistic and I did my best to find it online, but Gallup Poll in the years of 2006 to 2012 had tracked many countries, but the countries that were willing to to discuss finance with them. And they came up with some statistics that are, are pretty astounding to me. The average household income worldwide is a little less than $10,000. Okay? Average personal income worldwide is in that uh, $2,900 range, so slightly less than $3,000. So at this point, you can look at your neighbor if you made more than three grand last year or you lived in a household that made more than ten dollars and you can say... I'm living in the top half half of society, okay? It it gets even more intense. Um, The top 1%, that's if you had an income of more than $34,000 worldwide, this is the top 1%. How many lived in a household last year that had over $34,000 income? How many made more than three grand last year? It's it's one of those things that the top or half of the 1% live here in the U.S. It's amazing, isn't it? So even though you and I might not look at ourselves as being wealthy, if we're honest in our evaluation on a worldwide scale, we live wealthy. So it's very important when we read Scripture that deals with wealth that we just don't blow it off and say, well, compared to others around me. Well, compared to others worldwide, you better pay attention. That's why you know, it's, it's valuable even, even if you aren't making a lot right now in comparison to those around you to begin honing in and saying, God, what would you want of my life? How would you want me to invest? This is one of the discussions Char and I had before we ever got married. You know, we're looking at it and saying, we live in a wealthy society. We we didn't know these statistics back then. But we'd heard enough stories that we said, we're going to have to do something more than just tithing because we carry a responsibility in our hearts that, says so there's something more. And that's where I want to go with this. I'm not, I'm not about just getting more for the church, okay? <laughs> when I first got here, I had a well-intentioned saint tell me, if you take two offerings, you can get more. You know, take the regular offering and then have some kind of event or crisis or something at the end and just take another offering and you'll get more. And I'm going. I don't necessarily want to get more. That, I mean, I want people to have a sense where God is speaking to their hearts, and I want them to be obedient to that. Where that takes us as a group is secondary in my way of thinking. If I know that you're doing what God's asked you to do, then then I am happy with that. But it's not, you know. <laughs> And I'd come from a church where we had a box, you know, we, we didn't receive offerings, we just, people put it in the box. And uh, yeah, I can think, oh, that's, you know, a more righteous way to go, except that when Jesus was dealing with the hypocrites, he was watching them put money in a box. So it, it doesn't work all the way through, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things you have to go, well, maybe it's not the system, it's the heart. And that's what he kept going after. And, and so if, if we handle this right, it's about addressing the heart and having it play out in expression of generosity, but it's still having to address the things that, that he wants addressed. One more story before I head on... Um, and coming back from Malawi, I'm look, I have a second piece of land. Okay? I have a house, but I also have a piece of property. And I'm going, okay, now I know that the Lord orchestrated that and fulfilled a dream for me. But is it time for me to sell that? Because, you know, you have to look at this and say, everything is on the table here. And uh, for the time being, I feel like he's told me, hang on to it. But that doesn't mean that that there won't be a time to just say goodbye. That's, you know, that all of what we have needs to be held loosely, so to speak, and in submission to Him. And so we walk through these things regularly and just evaluate and say, what do you want? What would you desire? What can I do in honor for you? Okay, so... um, Okay, I want to walk through this passage in Matthew 19. A young man came to Jesus and said, "What I you know good teacher, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus challenges him and said, "You called me good. you know that only God is good, so what are you saying And essentially, he's taking this man and saying, I am not just a teacher, so are you going to Look at me as being the son of God, or are you going to just, you know, you say good teacher, Uh, let's, let's deal with the real issue here. So he's, in a sense, he's challenging him right from the very beginning. You know, you want some advice? Well, it's like, if you listen to me, you better, you know, you ask the question, you better be ready for an answer. And you know how it is when somebody comes to you and they want your opinion, and if they're only wanting to hear what they want to do, then it's like, well, thank you for your input, and then they run off to someone else, and you're going, don't mess with me. Quit asking me if you don't want to listen. Don't waste my time. But Jesus is in some ways is calling this man to account and saying, you called me good. You do you understand the implications of that? And then, he, then Jesus responds to him and says, well, obey the commandments. Another intriguing thing, because we get all caught up in, in uh, all our liberty in Christ, and here Jesus is telling him, obey the commandments. You can chew on that one separate. I, that's just a freebie to wander down and think about sometime. Now, Jesus takes the second half of the commandments, which would have had easier application in the natural because it's more dealing with the neighbor, right? The first few are dealing with God, and then the, the second portion are dealing with love your neighbor as yourself, essentially. And, and Jesus addresses those, and the guy's saying, I've done that. But in a sense, the, what I catch from this is that he's saying, I know that there's more to life than just following these rules. And I know that there's a connect with God that that I that needs to be addressed. You know, he's he's continuing to probe even though he says I've been I've been doing what you've asked but you know what's going on. What do I still lack? Jesus says, if you'd be perfect, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. And when young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus nails this thing and says, okay, you keep asking, you're going to get it. <laughs> and he just sets it out in front of him and says, um, Give away what you got and follow me. Now, we could look at it and say, he could have been one of the disciples. You know, he could have been one. (laughs) He could have been in this next tier, but he looks at it and it just brings him grief. He's going, that's a whole change of lifestyle. Now, again... I wrestle with the two extremes here. The one is to give you an escape that says, this, isn't, this doesn't mean that it applies directly to you in this fashion, right? Because you have to sort it out. That's the kind of dodge and run, right? The other side says, well, listen up. If you don't give away everything, it doesn't, you know. Are you really living this life of generosity that God calls you to? The challenge is to say, Lord, I I recognize the implications of this and I recognize that I live wealthy and I have had a... Through no fault of my own, I've been brought into a place where we have a lot more than most. So what would you desire of my life? Now, truthfully, if, if you dedicate yourself to living in a tiny house, I mean, really tiny, like the rest of the world, say, or, you know, give it all away, live under a bridge, you may not have much voice to anyone else in your culture, right? So you have to evaluate honestly Is who is God asking me to speak to and how does he want me to live? So I, I believe that he has people at every strata of society so that there is a public witness in every level. But generally, there is still this thing of saying we as people naturally tend to want to accumulate and draw that to ourselves as a measure of security. And we have been brought up in a culture that places great value on having and security on having, when in truth it doesn't give the full security or confidence that we would like, and so we keep trying to get more. And so when we come to stories like this, it's very important that we just don't blow it off or race through. But again, we take this moment and say, Lord, is there something you want to speak to my heart today? Sometimes he's going, I'm happy. Are you happy? (laughs) Or sometimes he says, what about this? And then there needs to be a response And it either comes out like the young man and says, oh, I didn't want you to ask that. Or, you know, it says, okay, that's what I'll do. Peter asks, you know, he says, well, God, we left everything. What what about us? And Jesus tells him, there's a great eternal reward here. We're talking about eternal rule, you know, 12 thrones. He says, we're also saying that there's going to be supplied back to you great benefit. hundred times this. This life and the future, it says in one passage. And, you know, I guess in truth, we've explored areas of, of being great in relationship and wealthy that way. We've looked at the wealth that God gives, and even you know, I look at this rich young man and going, he's being obedient to the general laws that help a person get in a place where their lives are wealthy. But that said, there was still this challenge. Okay, I want to jump to another passage for just a bit. This is out of 2 Corinthians, because Paul was collecting an offering and he, he lays out some guidelines in regard to wealth that I think are, are really healthy for us to, to chew on. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He says the law of sowing and reaping applies to finances. And so he says if, if you're stingy, well, don't expect much. If you're generous, anticipate Return. Okay. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So again, he's going, this isn't a, oh, I just hate it when we have the offering, Or I hate doing this. Well, <laughs> your blessing's already gone, so you know, you're going to have to go back and examine this again, right? Or it's not just this, oh, I I, I better give everything. I better, you know, those people in Malawi are really needy. I better give some money right now. It's not this compulsion thing. There's another layer of this or level that we have opportunity to, to process in the Lord where this dialogue says, what do you desire? And actually get an answer. And know this, because God is generous, he calls us to generosity as well. So when you're leaning toward that generous inclination, there should be an awareness that says, this is is how God does it. Uh, This is probably on track. He loves somebody who does this cheerfully because he cheerfully gives himself. And then he goes on he says, God is able to make grace abound to you so that having sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. He's saying he puts it in your hand so that you have the ability to disperse it. It's a powerful identif- a concept to, to say part of what we've been given is been given to us for the very purpose of giving it away. And so this evaluation goes on regularly saying, what's been placed in my control so that I can send it on to someone else? The New Testament church, it's interesting, you know, they, they shared as everyone had a need This isn't socialism because it wasn't forced on them. It wasn't an outward law, but it was something springing up from their hearts saying, there's somebody, I need to do something about this. So that's how, as a group, that would be a good identifier of us as as believers, right? That's a generous group. Something's been transformed in their lives. There's a generosity about them. Now, be aware, if you're giving away, that may mean that you don't necessarily rank in the top half a percent (laughs) as easily, right? But you're saying, i have sufficient anyway. So that giving away doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to have it back in your hand right away. Some years back, I'd been reading some books that kind of tracked this kind of thing, and I'd gone to a conference where it was addressed, and I came home enthused. That, uh, that enthusiasm, we were years in replenishing. <laughs> it was still worth it, but if, if you give away half the equity that you have built up, it takes a while to recover that. It just does. Would I do it different? No. Not at all. You know, it was, it was one of those moments where we didn't have it put into a house at that point, so it was sitting in the bank, and it was easy to dispose of. But then you're still realizing that for several years, you, you're, you're, you're not where you once were but it was well worth it. And then even what, you know, I shared that we have this portion of land. I had gone to England in my 20s, and uh, it was a part of a missions outreach. Uh, My trip was paid for, I worked for an organization that was generous and sent me there. And I saw that most people couldn't buy their own land or homes. And I came back with this strong desire to own a piece of property. Just burning in me. That dream came and went, was handed to God and taken back over a period of over 30 years. And uh, there were... I had... uh, Some of you, I know I've told this before, but we'd, we'd gone up to Houghton there were some special meetings going in place, and and I had gone through just a, a time of giving that up again. And I am going, I am so sick of this thing, I am never going to uh, take this on again. You know, and, and I was very irritable on the drive up, which generally in me is, I get real quiet and sullen. And uh, Char knew it, she... It's a dangerous moment. You know, you want that coming out at you? No, just be quiet. I'm not saying it's righteous by any stretch. But that's what was taking place. We get to the meeting, and these people are praying over us and different ones, and it comes to the very end, and the lady goes, at the very end of her prayer, oh, and now is not the time to give up the dream. And I was livid. I'm just going, God... One way or the other, this of, not into that. And then it, it still didn't come through for several years, and there were more giving and taking of that. But a, a man from this congregation, his grandma owned this 40 over in Scandia, and said, "You know, I know you like to walk in the woods, I know you like to hike. Uh, you can go there anytime you want." You know, it's got a creek going through it, it's kind of an interesting place. So I, I started going, and one day I felt like the Lord said, I'm gonna give this to you. And going, that sure sounds like a self word, you know? <laughs> you know. It's because I knew that I couldn't make it happen. Well, the lady that owned it passed away. There was some argument in the family about the land. One had logged it, not told the others. That can cause hard feelings, right? And this guy, this friend of mine, goes to his mom and says, you need to consider this guy because he really wants to buy this. I had called one of the siblings, and they said, well, good luck. Get in line. And I'm going, that doesn't sound like a God word to me. <laughs> you know. And uh, lo and behold... The only other word I had was pay asking price, which if you know me, I'm a skin flint in it. I didn't like that word, but uh, they gave a price. I paid it. It turned out that there were many people right in that area looking for that land to come up for sale, but because it went through so quick, nobody knew it was really being sold. So I landed with it. I look at that and going, well, that was God's hand doing something that I couldn't control, bringing a blessing that I could only dream about. And yet, even now, it's something that still needs to be held loosely. You know, there may come a time where He says, I want you to part with that. I mean, I have a home. So it's not like it's a crisis moment my dreams to build other who cares it's what does god want so in in these kind of things it's like he supplies us seed and he gives us opportunity to plant it you know you got your choice you're going to eat it you're going to plant it you're going to hang on and not see it go anywhere or you're going to invest and see it grow more He says, he'll provide bread for food, will supply, multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And then he goes on to say, Your generosity is actually causing others' faith to grow. And there's going to be a thanksgiving given to God, but it's also going to be a thanks for you. So he says, there are going to be prayers going up with your name on them. A thanksgiving for what you've done. I'm reminded of the story of Cornelius, a centurion servant, or a centurion, excuse me, So that means he's a Roman soldier, he's not Jewish, he's not in the group, so to speak. He's the first one to get the the gospel through Peter and, and, you know, an amazing story. But the the back line is, is, God says, his prayers and his generosity, or his alms, have come up before me. It's like saying, this man's generosity was triggering something. And I'm assuming there were prayers being offered and thanks saying, God, I sure appreciate what Cornelius did. And then Cornelius is giving his own prayers, and God said, That's someone I want to pour some more into. So he's the opening of the door. Well, who knows? What doors might be open through you as you practice generosity? Who knows what we can do as a church as we practice generosity? You know, regarding the, the hurricanes, I have had no inclinations yet as to a specific thing on generosity. I've prayed about it a number of times already. It may happen, it may not. I have some names of people that I've collected, you know, just in case. People that I could send money through or or to, help them in their situation, you know, like people in Houston and such. But the truth is, it hasn't resonated yet. Go do. And what, what I'm calling you to is to say, we have these passages that speak to the rich. We are the rich. Seriously, we are the rich. And so it's very important that we don't just blow it off, but rather that we apply ourselves to it and say, Lord, what are you speaking to my heart now? We're going to take an extra offering. No, <laughs> i kidding. I don't want your emotional response. <laughs> I want a spiritual response. I want you to pray and just say, Lord, you know, are we good? Some will hear, yeah, absolutely. Others are going to hear, you know what? Good, but let's, let's do this too. And in the Lord, we have the privilege of responding and investing and seeing fruit come from it. Thank you, Lord, for these passages that speak life. Thank you for the relationships that you lead us into, even for this open door that we have in regard to Malawi. And Lord, even as we've prayed in regard to the hurricanes and such, if there are specifics that you want us to do, bring that to our hearts. We thank you that we can trust you in all things. Amen. My first year of college, I'd had a good summer job and then I um, worked uh, at the school, you know, and I had, (laughs) well, in that day I had $10 a week. It bought a little more back then than it does now. But I had $10 a week that were undesignated and that meant, you know, for anything extra A plea came in a service that I was in for commitment to stuff. And so I committed $5 of that um, to that project and had enough all the way through. That sets you up for your next venture. And uh, it's been my privilege to see that kind of thing as I've stepped out. I'm the same person that also received a $10,000 anonymous gift one time. I needed it. And I got it. No guts, no glory. How are you going to step out, you know, and play it safe? Well, you don't but there's opportunities in the Lord to listen to his voice and have that inkling and then pursue it. And you get to see the power then of incredible things. I'm praying that for you. I want to ask God's blessing upon you. What remains is open-ended. Some of you need to, to actually make tangible choices that may affect you for the rest of your lives. Even today, you need to make that decision those are still valuable and worthwhile and appropriate. May your blessing rest on these, you people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover your generosity and the privilege of being generous as well. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom, gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.